Yeah, so welcome to Wood, Air, and Metal, podcast number one. Yeah, guitar podcast. Guitar podcast. I'm Adam Keeler. I'm a classical guitarist. I've been playing for 30 years, mostly the last 12, 13, all strict classical. Met Tim in school. He was doing the jazz and classical thing because he's clearly a madman. And uh, yeah, that's about I, it. I quickly found out that I couldn't do both. He's just not a freak, that's all. Yeah, you gotta get crazier um and, and others um yeah so i'm tim mirth i am i guess primarily some kind of jazz guitarist um like adam said i met him back in the day it's probably been like 15 years now i think and yeah. uh it's kind of funny we we chat all the time and it's always about guitar stuff we're just sending stuff guitar stuff to each other so i was why don't we just do a podcast about what we talk about all the time? It's like, if we need to, we can refer to our conversations to pick up the topics. Cause yeah. we've, it's really like a daily occurrence where he'll send me something and I send him something. And it can be anything from like a new, like guitar effect or something, or some video of some great guitar players, or it's just been, it's been like an endless thing. So yeah, and just waxing poetic about like how things have changed from when we started playing guitar to the way that they are now with the yeah, social there's, media. There's, there's a lot of complaining. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. It's kind of complaining. Oh, I just moved this out of the PG uh, rating. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll yeah. probably we'll probably stumble all over this thing, and you'll have to bear with us. Uh, we're learning yeah. a bit about how to do this. I did have another podcast that I was doing for a while. I have, a, I have like this much knowledge. Um, we didn't do video though, so this is kind of a new thing. And uh, so we're, we're, I think we're going to try to do like some YouTube stuff and then get it out to every uh, podcast thing once we figure out how to do every to do it all. Yep, yep, that's the point. At least in theory, <laughs> we'll see how that all goes. But uh, the the thing that's interesting is that everything that we talk about. Is it that it's for me living in so much of a classical world, which you know, I'm a professor of guitar at uh, a college in Ohio. I'll keep it blank just for whatever reason. Um, and I generally live in a classical world, but I'm always getting exposed to electric guitar players and the fingerstyle guys. And I mean, the, the occasional classical guy would come up, but it's kind of interesting because I practice mostly strict classical as I sit here with my electric in my hand, uh, just, <laughs> just to prove the total contradiction of terms here. Uh, and like this, it's, I'm always drawn between two worlds, but I absolutely love playing classical music as like the prime thing. If I'm going to sit down and play, that'll be it. Grab the nylon string and everything. You know, I just did my nails again on Sunday and uh, getting a pretty good town, a tone out of it. My A fingers driving me a little bit batty, but I think I had to just gotta reshape it. And then, uh, Lately, I've been on this kick of throwing in electric guitar practice on top of it, just to see if I can get chops back. I mean, in one sense, the whole Instagram feed thing is kind of inspiring. It's like, oh, I wonder if I can do that. I wonder if I can do that. I wonder if I can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it is, to an extent, you know, is uh, it's uh, you can't serve two masters to an extent. You got that guy, uh, Anton Boyer, who's just a freak, like, because I've seen him play Scarlatti and hard Scarlatti, and I'm like, that's pretty impressive. And then he'll do his jazz stuff and it's like brilliant. And I'm like, all right, so you got guys like that, that sure. proved me wrong. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's really cool to see the level of just to kind of dive into one of the top topics is like the level of talent that is going on right now is just 
I think is insane. It's exciting, but it's always one of those questions like what we were talking about. Is it a question of, was it always this way and there was just no social media or an outlet for all these guys to kind of get a platform? Oh, yeah. Or is it the, the exposure via social media in terms of access to tools of learning, like with YouTube and, uh, well, mainly YouTube in terms of instructional videos, um, access to that that allow these guys to just kind of like jump into it hardcore Whereas before, when we were kids growing up and trying to play guitar, it would be like, all right, I got to go to my local music shop or record store and find books to get the music, you know, and try to do some stuff by ear. Um, you know, I used to drive my parents nuts when a new Satriani album would come out and I'd go down with a CD and turn it on and turn on the amps and just try and figure out what the guy was oh, yeah. doing. You know, yeah, I wonder, I, you know, it's we've kind of talked about this too, but, you know, there's this major increase in some things but there's like something else that's sort of missing maybe um like you, right now like you were just saying before you would you would just grab a cd or i remember taking like cassette tapes and i would listen to the radio and record stuff you know and then i would try to figure it out later um and i would i, me I remember it was like late at night they would play certain types of music um, yeah. on the classic rock station so i get all these and, I, and at the time i was like only 10 or 11 and i had no idea what anything was and you'd either be like Led Zeppelin or whatever. And you're, I remember, I really remember the first time hearing like Good Time, Bad Times. And like it's a very vivid memory actually hearing that song. And uh, I'd already started playing. And, and, but then I had to like kind of like absorb it and try to like kind of figure it out. And I didn't have any, I wasn't getting lessons or whatever. And the only book I had was like some Mel Bake book or something. So you had to like <clears throat> really learn things on your own a little bit and i guess in some ways it's slower that way but you learn a certain set of skills by doing that and i'm not sure if they're they're there now or not but i don't know yeah, it's interesting yeah it becomes a, a matter of like if the person wants to i don't want to necessarily say take a shortcut but there's definitely things that with the Guitar Pro being one of those things, because I'm actually using now for like the first time ever, you know, it, it shows up, it plays it for you. You can see the yeah. tablet, see the music. I mean, that that's a huge help. Um, and I think that I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, like you're losing the ear training because you're kind of getting a lot of visual input at the same time. And the oral, I mean, if you're off, you're off, like you can you really hear it. So it helps right. with that regard. And it's embarrassing with some of the stuff I've been off with, with like for guitar, it's like, really? I, I just can't hit that. Come on. What the hell? Sure. You know, I can play Bach, but I just can't do this one sweep or whatever. It doesn't remind me. I mean, when we started the tab, like magazine thing was kicking off. Right. So you mm -hmm. could, that was kind of it too. You'd have like a subscription to guitar magazine Yep. and you'd get the six songs or whatever that week yeah, and maybe, may, or that month or whatever. And may, maybe one of them was the one that you kind of knew and you would sort of try to figure it out. Um, yep. You know, and it was kind of interesting because there wasn't a lot of good books then, I don't think, either. Um, or at least that I had. Because you yes. had, like, the Mel Bay books where everything was in first position. Yep. And then you'd have, like, trying to learn a Randy Rhodes solo or something. And everything's <laughs> up here. And in some ways, you think, well, like, Tab kind of stinks because, you know, you need to learn music. But, like, when you're a kid and you're only, like, 12 years old and you're trying to figure out Randy Rhodes. Like it's pretty helpful to know that like you can play an E here or whatever instead of just you know open string or whatever. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. You know, and I always used to get disappointed with those magazines sometimes. It'd be like, you know, these poppy type hits that I, I didn't really want to. It's like, yeah, give me the yeah. next Eric Johnson tune or give me this, you know, Steve Vay, uh, Steve Vay. Wow. Oh Steve, Bond, I was going to say. Guitarist, guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I, well, everybody starts doing their own thing. I think I heard uh, a rumor of. Uh, this one some guy i can't remember his name was in on the master class that steve brought in our, our mutual teacher at the time and uh he was talking about like he was J one of jason vio's first instructors and he's like this kid would come in every week figuring out a viola lobos etude by ear you know which is like clearly that's a level that's way way up there sure. and Jason's only a couple of years older than me you know yeah we we, kind of, we talked about that um a few months ago i, I was so at some point I'd sort of studied some classical, but you know, like main, you were talking about the nails, like maintaining the nails, but I was also doing like tapping stuff and like trying to do just too much. And at some point it was just too much to, to try to manage it all and, and give it any um, good um, attention. So it's kind of like that master of all trades, you know, he's, you know, master of none kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, I think like one day when my kids are a little older, like I might try to tackle like a classical recital or an album or something. And uh, I think I was saying to you, like, I would like to learn it all by ear. Mm -hmm. So like, instead of, cause that's something like in the jazz world, we, we always learn stuff by ear all the time. Like it's kind of this part of being in that world at all is, is learning stuff by ear. And then you're also, you're bouncing ideas off of people like so live. I always, I always tell people I'm like, I'm stealing their licks cause I'll hear them play it. And then I can mostly play it back to them. Um, so like, the thought of learning like a Villa Lobos thing and like maybe taking some like cool violin pieces or cello pieces or piano pieces and just trying to figure them out by ear and then figure out my own way to play them seems like a much more honest way for me to approach classical guitar. I'm I'm kind of interested too, like what if anyone actually listened, <laughs> uh, if the classical guitar community would appreciate that or if they would see that as a negative or not. It's kind of an interesting thought. As somebody in the classical guitar community, <laughs> I'll come down out of my ivory tower for a moment. No, it, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting thing because there's this mystique around the classical world that it's very haughty totty. Uh, and to some extent it is like formal recitals are like that. You go to a formal recital, it's like you get your program, you know, there's next to no uh, audience interaction. They come out, go through the program and everybody claps at the particular times. And I get the place for that. I mean, it's a, uh, in one sense, it is extraordinarily, if it's a, a high level concert or a high level player, it's extraordinarily difficult music. So the silence really helps with that, uh, getting into that zone. Um, you know, you can't be, and I have attempted this, uh, playing Bach in a sweaty, smoke-filled bar. Um, Which is cool. Through an amplification system. It doesn't have the same effect as the blues guy that was on right before here or whatever. So the, um, I get that atmosphere, but at the same time, it's, uh, one of those hurdles that everybody has to get over to get into it. And whenever you put something um, aesthetically in the way of enjoyment, it or aesthetic is the wrong word, uh, just a hurdle to just going in and liking it, it always tends to push people off. You know, if it's already a high enough thing to get to, you know, it's like, all right, it's going to cost me this much money for a ticket to go through this concert and wait, I have to be quiet if I think something's exciting. You know, it's like the complete opposite of what we're used to if we go to a sporting event or something when they're excited. Everybody gets really into it. Yeah, I mean, and the jazz world has that issue too, where you know you politely clap after a solo or something. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a unfortunate side effect. 
You know, like, exactly. It'd be cool if people were just like hip hop, you know, hollering or whatever while you're playing, especially when you did that like real difficult passage or something. <laughs> classical, yeah. right? Like a classical is so quiet. And if there's three movements, you're not supposed to clap like during any of the movements. So you could have just pulled off like the most amazing thing ever, and it's you hear some people coughing, but other than that, some chairs squeaking. Yeah. But then uh, you're not you don't get any like response to whether it was good or not. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean the 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 worst scenario, the the worst picture of that is watching a competition. Oh yeah. Like the the top of the top are out there busting their butt. Right. playing enormously difficult set pieces and everything else and it's just crickets till the half hour set is done yeah. and then in, like, the crowd erupts you know, like usually no matter what happens i haven't seen it where they haven't been impressed you know at that level it's always uh it's well just to kind of segue with that like the thing that i've seen with most classical guitar competitions is that it, it goes into two ways it's either there's a clear winner that's just head and shoulders above everybody that's there uh, or everybody else just lost in the yeah. sense that like they didn't, uh, they were tired. They didn't play as expressively as the one guy, you know, and they, they, they weren't bad players. Slip the hundred dollar bill to the judge's pocket. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, or something like that where it's like uh, one year, I think it was 2017 where I was watching it and they're all still great players, but it was like 2016 when Xavier Zara won it. It was like, he was clearly like absolutely brilliant. It was unbelievable watching this kid do it. And he, you know, there was a couple of flubbed notes, but seeing the level and the consistency of it, it was like, who cared? You know, okay. So yeah. these like 16th notes out of 5,000 that were going by, he missed. Oh, well, you know, and, but the expressiveness and the control was just absolutely stunning. And then the next year it was like, the players were really, really good, clearly better than me. So I'm not saying like I'm better than them in this judgment call, but there was just a, a lack of, wow, this guy's really, really good. And the guy that won played great, but the other guys just didn't have as difficult pieces for the last set and were just kind of flat playing. Like one guy was clearly super quiet. Like, I don't know what happened to his guitar, but compared to the other ones, he was like way, way, way quiet. And it might be just, he's a quieter player, yeah. but um, the guy that won it was good, but it was like, he didn't, he wasn't head and shoulders above. It was everybody else would screwed up, you know, in one way, which was disappointing. Cause the one guy that I really wanted to win, like watching him go through the rounds, I was like, Oh, this guy's got it. And you could just tell by the last round, he was wiped out. He was so tired with jet lag and all the competition stress or whichever. Yeah. He was just not putting it together, but clearly better than me, but that's the way that it goes. And uh... yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a, an episode. So we're still figuring out how we're going to do all this, but. We'll have to do an episode on competition and just the thoughts on that. I think. Yeah, well, maybe we could even like watch one or watch like a like watch a jazz one and a classical one or jump around in them and just kind of. Yeah, it'd be interesting. To, like, I th I think from your how excited you sound like listening hearing you talk about it, you're you must be in favor of competitions in in a sense. So just even getting into that whole like, is are competitions good for music and blah blah blah. Oh yeah, and I mean, I I mean, we can start right in on it now. But you know, I'm generally in favor of the the, the competitive edge just because it's a challenging thing, yeah. and that's pretty much it. It's a matter of okay, you can play it this well. Can you do it that? It's it's one thing to go from the practice room to the recital hall. You know, there's that step of like dedication that happens in the practice room. And you're working on it, and then you get up in front and you're getting judged by your teacher. At least when you're in school, and uh, the audience 
and you play that and you're judging yourself as you're playing. It's a whole different level as somebody that has been in a, a couple of competitions. It's a yeah, totally yeah. different level to sit in front of one man or a couple of judges that are just like going to put you to the next round. And then when you make that next round, you know, when you make it to the finals and you walk out there on stage for the last bit, it's like the amount of pressure is unbelievable. And then sure. after that, after that competition, recitals were whatever. These are easy. This is a breeze. I don't, I'm not, there's not a lot of money running on the end. If I misread a note, you know, it's like, yeah, right. it was totally more relaxed. So I don't know. I think in general that for like, that was the one thing that uh, with my undergrad, well, and to an extent, the graduate degree that was always the contention among the students is like, why is he making us compete? Like, why would he make us do this? Yeah, sure. You didn't have a choice. If you were in the studio, so he was like, you're, you're going to compete. That's it. And I mean, for the first two years, I was like, well, this is just like, just stand up in front of the firing squad, put a cigarette in my mouth and I'm done. That's yeah, right. it. <laughs> and then walked off the stage or out of the classroom or whatever. Um, you know, so it was like, what was the point? And that got a lot of discussion going around the students there. It's like, why are we doing this? But, you know, eventually when I finally did make it to the final round, and this doesn't really relate to like, oh, I finally made it, so now I see the value. It was more of, it took a couple of years to get it through my thick skull that the amount of dedication that you and time that you put into learning those pieces for a competition, the focus is so different than anything else. Like I could probably sit down right now and write out all those competition pieces just from memory. And I mean, there's an interesting side effect for sure. That's one of the things that I think that Steve was pushing on with that is to be like, listen, these are, uh, you might not make it to the end, but that's not the point. The point is to get you dedicated and motivated to such an extent in your practice that that routine and that dedication flows into everything else that you start to touch. Yeah, I I could definitely see where it's valuable for the performer. Just because it's hard, it's hard to find a situation where he would be more nervous than a competition. Yeah, and just learning how to deal with that side of it. it in classical, is funny that way. Like we were just talking about the um, how specific to the piece you have to be. Like it, it has a, an extra layer of protection or um, fear, I guess. Yeah, um, I I know. Like I basically. I've been playing shows for 25, 30 years, you know, in general, like non-classical things that I've done. I don't really get nervous at this point, you know, you get excited and and I don't necessarily think that I always do well, but like, I'm pretty like into it and I want to give the best performance I can. Um, With classical though, something about it um, really brings out the nerves. And I don't think I get as nervous as I've seen some people get who basically are like throwing up backstage or whatever, or, or literally can't move, you know, like they're just stuck. Um, but yeah, there's like, you can't make a mistake in a way. Like you kind of have to, you're not just like playing it or like, at least I never got to the point where it just felt like I wasn't thinking and it just came out. It was always like, all right, this is the first a section or whatever and now i'm gonna go like oh crap is that the code like i never got maybe i didn't get good enough at it to like feel so comfortable um i was always thinking too much about the music um and that that's i think i wonder now like if i would do that because i think i've grown a lot since i was really playing classical but anyway the the nerves 
are intense. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I think it has to do with you're playing somebody else's music. You know, it's like, there's no room for, okay. I don't want to say there's no room for expression, but it's a different type of expression that, that comes out of it. Yeah. It, uh, when you're sitting there and all the judges know exactly note for note, what you're going to play, it's a totally different mindset than going out and improvising and not that improvising is less than it's just a different, uh, yeah, feel. you're, you're in your, it's a language you've created for yourself. I guess. Yeah. I, and, um, you know, it, so it, I remember the first one that I was in where I was in the finals, I was playing the feud to the nine, nine, eight, and there's a decop or not, a, there's a cadence that's exactly the same for three different sections. And I ended up, I was in auto zone, like, you know, just kind of going and I repeated a whole section, which nice. totally screwed up the amount of time. Cause you know, you only get, I think it was 25 minutes. Uh, they like flash a light at you too. Like, <laughs> no but they will stop you they didn't they were kind they didn't do it this time but i've seen in other competitions where they're like time and just like you know that was it yeah. um and honestly the, those guys that did get timed out still made it to the next round but they went in there knowing that it's like okay i'm going to time out in the middle of this piece and whatever yeah. um but i remember that was like the biggest epic like in 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 my head i was like oh fudge except i didn't say fudge you know <laughs> and it was just like ah well i can't like skip like yeah, what right. do you, you know, it's like nope just go through the repeat get the notes again take the punch in the face and move on and that's exactly what i did you know it uh in that yeah, regard you definitely have to just go on right yeah in that regard that competition it was just like that was one of the ones where i mean i came in second but it wasn't because i was better than the third place it was just third place ended up doing worse than i did yeah. <laughs> so, i remember when they came back stage like i totally forgot this section i'm like well i'll take the win yay <laughs> <laughs> i remember when i was a kid like the P pbs used to show the tchaikovsky competitions for piano oh geez yeah and my dad loved that stuff and he'd be like you're sitting there and you're watching and like someone gets on stage you know and, and probably in general that's like i mean that's like the highest level of like piano players and you know, oh yeah yeah and they, they just don't play. <laughs> like they can't get the first note out. And they're sitting there. And just, it's like, it's a fascinating thing to watch. Because you know, they're unbelievable. You know, yeah. you, you probably like, you're like, I want to be neighbors with that person. Because you're going to hear just unreal stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's an interesting thing. I guess from my point of view, it's like, it, I don't know that it helps music um it's like not what music's about the competition but i like that it sort of like sheds light on competition so it it's kind of like here's a place that um it's popular enough that it gets enough eyes on it where mm -hmm. otherwise you know just playing at your local church or at the college um or whatever um or weddings and all kinds of different places or bar like most people just won't see it. They'll just never, they'll never know it's there. But if you can collect enough people and sort of put that competitive edge on it, all of a sudden, like non-classical guitarists get interested in it, you know, or non-classical pianists get interested in it. I mean, they're, they're interested in the whole like psychology of like what it takes to be a performer like that. Yeah. And it draws it. And then you can create fans that way, you know? So maybe like I know a lot of people are kind of a, like majorly against competitions. Yeah. <laughs> I think in general I'm I'm cool with it because I mean anything that can help 
like bring music up into like regular exactly. people's life is better. You know, I, I think it's a good thing. And that's, that's the same thing that I'm at with it. You know, um, I mean, there, there's clearly people in the class that absolutely hated the idea, like yeah, were sure. having against having to do it. And I get where they were coming from, but um, there's that old proverb of like, what's the difference between, and, and I'm not calling these people foolish by any stretch of the term, but there's a proverb, um, uh, what's the difference between a wise man and a fool? And the answer is that a wise man can learn from anybody. And it's like, when in regard to the music, it's like, yeah, I didn't like being forced to com compete. Like I would have really liked to just, I'm sick, click, yeah. God, yeah. you know, um, but at the same time, after going through that, the, the value of it was clearly there and you just take it and learn it, you know, and that's the other benefit with that too, is having a good teacher, which is a whole other subject in rabbit hole that we can go down. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have too many different teachers. It was basically Steve, Francois and Jim, you know, before I went to school, I didn't have anything. Oh, and Pierre, uh, I didn't have any formal training outside of like when I showed up to Pierre's door in France, you know, yeah, right. um, Pierre who? Uh, ben Suzanne, <laughs> Ben Susan. So uh, yeah, I studied with him for a bit in his residential seminar. Amazing, amazing player. If you're oh, not familiar yeah. with that guy, and that yeah. was one of the guys. Like I was really into Hedges at the time, like Michael Hedges, and uh, he, uh, the guy that uh, a friend of mine uh, that helped, was really instrumental in getting me into guitar, said like they were both playing at the same night, and he's like, "Go see Pierre instead of Michael." He's like, "Michael always comes around. Go see Pierre. He's yeah. from France. You know, it's every couple of years." It's like, all right fine and i didn't get what pierre was doing like to the almost to the untrained ear it's it's nice you know what i mean it's like oh that's nice and hedges had the visual factor of the tapping and the slapping and everything else so it's a very uh, uh aesthetically visually drawing people in so it's like oh yeah i gotta see that that's good. like these extended techniques uh the weird stuff but once i actually studied pierre's music it was like okay, this guy really knows what he's doing. Like really gets it uh, underneath everything and everything's written out. You know, there isn't a, sub, uh, a whimsical decision in anything that he writes. Though he does improvise a lot when he's up on stage. Yeah. It, you know, it's his tune so he can do whatever the hell he wants. Um, you know, you know, it, the first time I got introduced to him was actually through his book. I think my dad got it for me. Oh yeah, the guitar. yeah, he has a book. You ever see it? You have it? Yeah. Okay. But it's funny, and I remember it because it has um, recipes in it. Yep, at the end of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm like, who's this guy? This is pretty awesome. You know, write a guitar book with like food recipes and stuff. <laughs> and strange. then I finally heard him, and he's amazing. And I've got to see him, I think, twice now. So yeah, didn't we see him at Nighttown? Together? Yeah, Nighttown in Cleveland. Yeah. Yep. I think that was a show where he told the two people, it's like, if you keep talking, I'm going to stop playing. <laughs> there was I don't remember that. Which I totally agree with. It was like, this, why the hell are you here? You know, if you're going to sit uh, yeah. table right in front of the dude and talk, that's just crazy. So that's, that's, that place is actually going through owner changes right now. So really? We'll see what happens. Yeah. In our unfortunate COVID time. I'm not sure how related to it is to, to that. Hmm. Like that's the true. chef or somebody's taking over. The it's chef? an interesting place in Cleveland. There's a, a jazz club, but they always have great music there. It's one of the best Isn't venues. One of the drawing. top 50 jazz clubs in the nation or something like that? Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't know, but it's it's great. Um, except <laughs> there's a, like everyone knows when you go there that there's a bar that's sort of like the local bar, I guess, where people are always talking like the entire time that a show's going on. 
So you went and you paid some money to go see a show. And there's people that didn't come to the show, but they're having like a birthday party over on the <laughs> side. And they're like screaming and yelling. And you're, you know, you're seeing Kurt Rosenwinkel like 20 feet away from you. And and they're being, it's, it's kind of an annoying place in a way. But yep. it's great because there's great music there. So it's, it's like a catch. And it's not, there's even like posts and stuff in the way. And <laughs> Yeah, you have to show up super early to, to get it like a good seat, you know, and a good angle at it if you're lucky enough to even do that, you know. And uh, like, did you see Man Ring there too with me? Or was that? I don't think I've seen that? Man Ring oh. actually. Yeah, I've seen Man Ring there twice. Michael Man Ring, if you're not familiar. Yeah, yeah player. Amazing. Just disgustingly good. And Also then, play with Michael Hedges a bunch. Yep, yep. So it, uh, yeah, that uh, it's a cool joint there. So, have you been to any jazz competitions or anything like that, or know anything? Have I ever about... done one? No, actually, well, I don't think I've ever been to one or seen one because I've seen a couple of videos. Yeah, of the, I, I know of them. Um, like there's the monk, the Thelonious Monk competition for sure. Um, there's some other ones. You know, I haven't really kept track of it that much. I know one of our um, guys that's around here, Dan Wilson, was in it one year. Um, I think the one, I think it's the Monk competition. Every like four years, there's guitar there, and they they kind of like rotate instruments every year. Okay. So I think it's okay. like guitar, then piano, and then sax and trumpet. Maybe I don't I don't actually know. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like the last time I I knew a few of the people that were there. You know. Like I, I knew them at least like they were like Facebook friends or at least or whatever, or I've met a few of them. So it's kind of interesting to see. And I, the one guy that won um, this past one, Max Light, I actually saw him in Boston last time I was there playing with Noah Preminger, who's a sax oh. player, who I know. Um, great player. So it was kind of funny that I kind of met them when they were having dinner and stuff during the show. This really fancy place in Boston. I don't even remember the name of it. Hmm. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so you... I don't know too much about it. They usually have like it's kind of like the Guitar Center version too. Like, what's what's the yeah. Guitar Center competition where they'll have like Satriani or whatever. So yeah. at the guitar one for the Monk one, they'll have people like Pat Metheny, I think was there, and John Scofield. You know, it's like big name jazz guitar players are the judges, which is pretty cool. You know, so you get yeah. to meet and see that, and I and I guess that's. Actually, classical guitar temp competitions aren't usually like big name performers as judges, are they? They're you like certified a, judges or something. Well, I mean, most of them are academic in the sense that, like, you know, you got your college professors that are, are there in terms of uh, classical. You have to go like to be a GFA judge. There's the Guitar Foundation of America. It's kind of the biggest classical guitar competition ever. If you get a chance, go. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's did. the one that Adam has been talking about too when he was talking about. The big con guitar competitions earlier, yeah. in the not the one that, that I got the finals, but yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I wonder, like, so the judges there—do they have to get like certified to be judges, or are they just random professors, or like, how do you get to be a judge on that? I don't think it's a certification. I think it's a matter of professorship and knowing, because yeah, I mean, in one sense, the classical guitar community is pretty small uh, relative to its thing. So yeah. anybody that's above average is generally known. Like they, they, everybody, it's like, oh yeah, I know this guy who plays this concert and so on. And, yeah, you know, you yeah. invite your friends and since you live in that world, it's just kind of it. It's a, it's a weird nepotistic friendship no, conglomeration, no. boundary crossing thing, whatever. Um, 
and it, there's good reason for that because there's not like you know it's not a guitar center type of initiation where you just kind of walk in and everything's up on the walls it, like it takes a lot it's a big barrier of entry to get to a level where you can aesthetically judge i'm using that word like crazy or you can uh, judge classical music with a good ear and know what's going on yeah um well, yeah. i guess it's just friends of friends <laughs> To an extent. I mean, at yeah. the, the Oberlin one, I know Steve was, I think Steve was judging. He was hosting. So I don't know. If I he don't was think he was judging. I don't, not that but I remember. Solo duo, like, uh, well, it wasn't solo duo at the time. I don't think they joined up till after that competition. But Lorenzo McKelly was there. And I think he was judging Rafaela Smith's, uh, Stanley Yates. Um, you know, we do have the internet at our fingertips. We can look, but like everybody that was judging yeah. had yeah. clout. It wasn't like random person that, right. you know, got their degree and they were judging that and they i think every judge also gave a concert as well yeah maybe there might be a couple that were just judges because they need like an an odd number and the way so, that they so do you might end up with like the who's who of jazz or of classical guitar yeah guitar. i don't think david russell shows up like just to <laughs> yeah you're like, not gonna see sharon isman and david russell yeah, exactly. doing it right um <clears throat> i was just thinking like we're doing this podcast and the names that are being dropped, like you really need to know some classical people. Um, <laughs> but it's good. Maybe in our description, we'll try to like name list the names in the description. So if yeah, you're curious like, about these people, you should really look them up. Like we're talking about some of the world class people that if you're a cla in the classical world, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that I know that person. Yeah. But I'm imagining any like a lot of jazz people that are probably listening. They probably don't even know who Sharon Isbin is. Mm -hmm. Or uh, and these that's about as big of a name or David Russell yeah. as there is in classical guitar, aside from Segovia. Um, yeah. Yep. Or John Williams, the other John Williams. Yeah, one of the three <laughs> that are famous now. Yeah, the other, other John Williams. Um, all people worth checking out, just unbelievable musicians. So to kind of keep the focus on the, the competition aspect, but to shift it into the jazz realm, like... I've seen electric guitar competitions, yeah. you know, and they're generally mostly shred fests. Let's just, to an extent, and that that's a viable thing. It's like I I'm I can sure. kind of make it, but I'm not, I'm not that level of it because that's what they focused on. But it ends in the sense of you know, in the classical world, we know the piece. Like nobody's going to go up there and be like, "This is this," and it's made up. Though, I will say that one guy did do that. Jeremy Collins played an original piece in a competition final. Um, which uh, a professor at the time was saying, like I, I overheard him saying, he's like, I can't stand judging original pieces in a final competition because he's like, now I have an extra thing to factor in. It's like, how is there, how is there writing? You know, yeah, right. Technical hard, but it could be an awful piece. <laughs> so you're stuck with like this whole big thing of okay, the kid can obviously play merits and he can play Bach and he can play like that modern piece that whoever the hell they commissioned to do it uh, for that competition can handle it. And now I have this original thing that I have to judge on top of that and see where I would put him with that. Yeah. You know, so I get that thing, but with like the electrical guitar thing, it's like nobody's doing a cover song. Like they don't go out there and there's not like a set piece to an extent. Well, so yeah, I think the way they usually, they will have certain pieces. They'll okay. say, um, play this standard or this standard, but it's kind of in your way. And then there's, there's a bit of um, like stylistic things too. Like, Maybe you're going to do a, a slow swing piece. Maybe you're going to do a blues. Maybe you're going to do um, like a Latin piece or something, or maybe some kind of world piece. 
Um, so the different, so trying to get different aspects of your playing in there. Um, yes, yeah, I think what you're getting at is like, hey, how do you know? How do you judge that? Exactly, because it's just so much more open than the classical. Yeah, world. I would think like so. Imagine like a figure skating at the Olympics, right? Like it's okay. all judged, and they're not like preset um, performances. And you don't even, I think you don't even have to say what style of music or anything it is. It can be anything. So mm. it's coming from that same sort of place, I think, where it's like, what's what's your creativity? How's your performance? Did you nail the things you went for? I mean, it, for the most part, there's not a lot of like new techniques or something. So if you were doing that, you know, would did you did you nail that technique perhaps, or is like your um, Maybe you like nailed the whole performance, but was it flat? You know, like, did you give it the energy or maybe you didn't nail every per part of it, but like your energy was so good. Like everybody it didn't even matter if yeah. it was, there was mistakes. So to so-called mistakes in it. Cause the energy was good. But yeah, I think it's, there's no, um, I guess there's probably less like qualitative judgment or something. You know, you can't just say, um, is it qualitative? I think it's um, where you can't say how many points for technique. You know, did you did you play the B minor seven arpeggio correctly? You know, you can't. You're not gonna have those criteria. So it's it's way more um, just an impression you get from somebody. Okay, because I think that what's his name, Theodore something crazy Russian, the the last winner of mm -hmm. uh, one, not the last one, but there was a recent one pre-covid that he he won and i actually was turned on to him before the competition yeah like, i think he yeah. sent me some of his tracks maybe uh, maybe um now i gotta look it up <laughs> uh, let's see here if i can do, 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 do. i need my other glasses <laughs> yeah uh theodore dawson I'll spell it. <laughs> F-E-O-D-O-R, Fyodor. Uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Sorry if you ever hear this. And uh, Dosumov, D-O-S-U-M-O-V. He won like some European jazz uh, competition. Uh -huh. And uh, he had like a couple of singles out that I thought it was you, but somebody turned me on to the kid. Because yeah. he had like a kid, like 18, 19 years old. And I was like, now, now that's cool. You know, and I noticed when I watched the competition that he won, um, you know, it was all clearly all improvising. Like these guys had, like there was a standard tune, and then there was a big yeah. thing, and then their their small band. You know, it was just a, 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 what's a not even a quartet, like a trio, just a drums, bass, and guitar. Yeah, a trio. Yeah, trio. Thank you. Good yeah. God, it's getting late. Ask <laughs> <Classical> guitarist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it doesn't show the thing with the three people musicians <laughs> together, trio. That's it. You need to play uh, with more people. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, but the, just watching that, it's like, in that case, like, kind of kind of tied into what I was saying. He was clearly head and shoulders above the other other players. Yeah. You know, like he had the energy. He definitely was, in my opinion, with that, just from what I could hear, it's like he really was playing outside in a very tasteful way. Yeah. It wasn't just you know, randomness to it. It was like intentional and he always landed on his feet with it. And then uh, the... Uh, what was it? The the other guys were good, but definitely totally more reserved than this kid. Oh, interesting. 
it was just like they were much much more in uh it was their soloing like very harmonically correct quote right. unquote and not that their licks weren't difficult or anything but this other kid was just like breaking that mold at, at such the right points that it was like all right that's cool if i would have yeah. taken the win it would have been him you know um yeah, i mean i guess if you, if you ever listen to my playing i'm always going for it so i appreciate the people that go for it yeah and, and i know it, when i was when i was okay. playing in nashville um there was some great i mean it's like like the, there's like every guitar player is great there you know they, like the the thing in nashville is like the the gas the person pouring your gas is the best guitar player you've ever met in your life kind of thing right <laughs> really, there's so many but what i notice is it's like it's so like perfect like it was always just right um it was always um the right no choices very tasteful and all these kind of things but like it sort of lacks something you know I, I like i feel like my favorite jazz musicians and why i'm drawn to it john coltrane or something like there's an energy and like there's a i'm gonna try something i've literally never tried before because i'm going to and I don't know that I'm going to land it. I think this is going to work. And I'm actually not totally sure it's going to work. But I'm going to try anyway. And there's that sort of like going for it thing. That is. To me it's like it's very like real life. It's like the, the thing the artist side of me. That I that I really like about it. It's like you're really putting it out there. Like I don't. You know and, and uh, that's the sort of thing that. I, the reason I've sort of got away from certain other. Forms of guitar playing that are improvised improvisatorio ah. improvisational there it is improvisational yeah is yeah. that a lot of times people just play really like always safely mm -hmm. and uh now what you'll find too is fans of jazz seem to be like some of like maybe half i don't know really like the people that just play the right notes at the right time and like do it in the right way um and then there's another side that like the people that kind of go for it you have to sort of find your niche there, I guess. Yeah. It's interesting you said that when you said that he was a clearly the winner and it sounds like he won that competition. Um, depending on who the judges were, yeah, some judges exactly. would have said, yeah, but like he didn't nail that thing or whatever. And they, they, nobody here made any clear mistakes or something. And uh, they would say the other person played safer, more tasteful or something. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of interesting that, think about um i guess the reasons why i like jazz is because it seems like real life it's like you're just you're putting it all out there you might fall apart you might have a great gig where everything goes right and but that doesn't generally happen it's usually just like life like you have a pretty good day even though you spilled coffee on yourself in the morning and you know you stepped in a mud puddle but like overall the day was pretty good and yeah you got in a little bit of fight but then you had a nice compliment about something or you did something, you finished some task that you didn't really think was possible earlier. And it's very much like that. That's like, you're wearing it on your sleeve. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Yeah. In interesting about competitions. I guess that's the side of the competition. I don't like is like, I, I don't always necessarily agree with the judging too. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's part of it. And I think that, but ultimately I think the thing that why the competitions are there is people like to see people ability on the edge of collapse yeah like maybe. like you know how good are you like how how much can you push yourself and still maintain it right. without completely falling apart you know it's like well the one that we were at together in oberlin yeah. uh, 
the one girl that was in the finals, uh, there was four finalists and she came in third. But like during her set, she went to retune and did not retune the guitar. It was like, made it worse, <laughs> you know, type of thing. It was. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. It, it was like everybody on it was like, oh, hon, just, just please just nope, nope, no. That, that reminds me like a lot of people tune the guitar, you know, on the seventh and the fifth and seventh fret. But yeah. like, that's like, don't do that. Yeah, exactly. That um, is your guitar a, will not be in tune in the end because of where the harmonics lie and they're not quite perfect and all these kind of things. But you you see it a lot in classical guitar because it's kind of easier to hear, especially if it's kind of noisy or whatever. They'll use the harmonics. Well, and, the, then it's like know. when they play a chord, you're like, oh no, it's going downhill. Yeah, it was clearly stage fright, like yeah. not that she was faking or anything. Oh but, sure, know, it was just like you know, it was clear that, and she still came in third. You know, yeah. out of so th that didn't kill her her playing and like that was one of the things where you know the, the guy that came in fourth was like what the hell he, 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 she was clear you could just tell on his face you know when they, they did that he was like really you know um but then you know just walking around through the crowd I, I heard somebody say well she was playing harder pieces like and she nailed the notes she was just out of tune you know where the other guy was playing like uh something that was more accessible and played it great but it was easier yeah so there was that market like they they knew what was harder than the other and that was one of the things that uh kind of factored into okay we'll ignore the, the tuning mishap and look at the technical aspect of it which is which in one sense i kind of agree with that decision you know it's, it's uh it, it, playing mary had a little lamb and not that it was that simple but playing mary had a little lamb in tune versus you know a satriani tune slightly out i'm gonna go with the guy that playing the satch tune is a little bit uh trickier with that or whatever you know yeah, it's interesting to think about so um, I mean, it, that uh, is just that. So it, I don't know, I, to, to sum up where I'm at with competitions, clearly I think they're a good thing. <laughs> I don't think anybody should be necessarily forced to it, but like as somebody that's now in the Steve's position of teaching at a co collegiate level, uh, sometimes- who? Huh? Steve who? Steve Aaron. <laughs> so that's it, the, the wonderful maestro himself um, and Jim Marin and uh, the, all the, the, and Francois, the three guys that I, I took formal lessons under. Um, sitting on the other side of the, that uh, chair is, or the other side of that office, it's, uh, I can see why they would do it because you can really, you, you got to motivate students somehow. Like sometimes you'll have these talented kids come in and they're just like pissing away their ability because they're not taking it seriously. And you're just kind of like, I'm getting paid. I'm going to get paid either way. But if you gave a, a darn about these kids and how they're doing, you're going to push them. Yeah. And you got to figure out a way to, to keep them all at the same motivational level through that. Like this last semester, I had this one kid that came in and he was doing some pretty interesting figure style stuff. And, you know, that my rule is everybody learns to play in the first position, at least to read music. Because I get, you know, wide variety. Kids that have read music before, kids that have never touched the guitar, you know, whatever. Everybody gets the same thing. You know, and I'm sitting here for the first four weeks and he's barely off of the first three strings, like barely reading. And I'm like, what's that? And I have a kid, another kid that never played guitar before in his life. And he's already through all the six of the strings in the same amount of time. Yeah. And so, you know, as a teacher, I'm sitting there looking at both examples and I'm like, okay, what do I do to kick this one kid's butt into gear without destroying his motivation? and set it so that he can actually pull off what he can pull off. So I basically like one day, I must've been in a, a sour mood because I was just not having it. You know, he sat down to play and I'm, it, it's literally three strings. So it's quarter notes on three strings or something. Right. And I'm, I'm listening to it and I'm like, 
Uh, all right. I'm, I'm not going to sit here for the hour and waste my time with this. I got other things I got to work on. Um, it's basically what was going through my head. I'm like, holy cow, I get where all my teachers were coming from at times. So um, I just, uh, I was like, I stopped and I'm like, dude, listen, you came in, you were doing this finger style thing, you know, with the, all this elaborate work for where you're at and you nailed that. And I'm having you play three strings, a total of six notes and you can't do it. And I'm like, I have people that have never played guitar before that are ahead of you right now. You can do better. I expect you to do better. And I'll see you in a week. And I ended the lesson. You know, it worked. Like, it totally worked. I said one other thing. I'm like, listen, the only thing that this is showing me is that you're just not putting the time in. That's it. Looking at your ability to where you're at right now, you're just not doing it. And that's stupid. And you're wasting both of our time. So I, uh, you know, I said that all to him. And then by the then like within the next week, it was like, boom, he was on it. And then within two weeks, he had all the strings done and was set. And by the end of the semester, he was playing The Naked Sock by Michael Hedges. So, you know, he did it great, like an absolutely yeah, fantastic. Right. I love to see that. That's one of the things that why I keep teaching is to see that like turnaround. Once the click goes off in the head, it's like, boom, there it is. Awesome. Excellent. You know, and he did it. He did an absolutely great job uh, with that. And it was really cool to see and do that. And he was appreciative after the fact. Right. You know, I could tell that it was the ta- the dog tail between the legs. They're kind of like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever the first week. But when he came back and nailing it, you know, and that to me, like, that's why I valued Steve's input uh, and Jim's and, and everybody's input is because they weren't like bullcrapping you. They weren't just blowing smoke, oh, you know, yeah, that's nice. it would be like, that was terrible. You know, oh, yeah, it's, just- it's the worst one. Like if you're anyone who's decently motivated as a guitar player or any instrument, I'm sure. You get those teachers sometimes that they're like they're just so happy to have a teach like a, a student that's like pretty good instead yeah. of a beginner, and they'll just kind of kiss your butt in a way, right? They're just kind of like, "Hey, it sounds good to me," you know? Like, yeah. What What am I paying you? You know? No, exactly. But that's exactly you kind of need. Like, I always appreciate when the stu- teachers just like, "Man, I don't know what the hell you were thinking there. That was horrible," and you're yep. thinking like, "I just worked so hard on this," and they kind of put you in your place. But you, you kind of need those lessons. Other, they're like, I guess it's good to be nice, but it, it's not very helpful in a lot of ways, too. Especially well, exactly. if you're really trying to get better. Well, if your goal is to get to a certain destination, destination in your playing, whether it's a skill level or a piece or just an understanding of music, and nobody tells you where you are, you have no idea how to get to the other place. Like you're just you're just floating in the ether. You know, it's, uh, I've, I've seen it too many times and I've taken over for other teachers at other places, you know, whether it's like a music school or uh, not, not so much with college um, because that general, at least where I'm at now, it's like, I, I don't want to say I built the program, but the program is like, I'm the one that's heading up that classical era. Yeah. It's a different thing. Um, so it's like, you know, you look at this, uh, I'd, I'd sit down with other students and I'm like, you, this guy took your money like he's not give, doing anything for you yeah, you know it, it it absolutely boggles my mind and i think and that's a you know maybe that's a subject we can talk about another time is a matter of like when you're making money teaching how do you continue to eat but yet be demanding of your students at the same time and how do you pick when to push when to not you know well i think it, yeah without getting into it it's a long game right you gotta 
It is a long game. You got to get the reputation. I don't, I don't teach much anymore. So. There's a lot of yeah. reasons for that. We can get into that too. Exactly. Well, let's save that for another episode. I yeah, right. Topic because we both have wildly differing thoughts. <laughs> oh yeah. So. I I did want to mention too, like yeah, you're you're talking about learning the notes. That's that, that's one of my hugest pet peeves. Um, when people say they can't learn the notes, or like, how do I learn the notes? I think about like uh, Jaco Pastorius, baseball yeah. space player. Like, there's a story about him like wanting to play bass, and his dad was a musician. But his dad would leave for like, I think he was a musician. He would leave for like a week for work or whatever. And when Jocko got the bass, he was like, when I get back the end of this week, you better know every damn note on that bass or you're going to get a whooping, basically. (laughs) And, you know, guess what? Who knew the notes at the end of the week was Jocko, right? (laughs) Like he knew all the notes on the entire fretboard well by the end of the week. because, And he didn't even know, presumably didn't know anything about the instrument, right? So you had to learn and figure out how to do it. So I, I always think about that. And I'm like, well, if you really had to do it, if there was a like a gun against your head or whatever, you would figure out a way to learn all the notes in the fretboard. And it wouldn't even take you that long. Yeah, you exactly. You would do it in a week and it would stink. It would be hor- It would be tedious work. That's the problem. It's really tedious. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep testing yourself. You've got to come up with your own ways to do it. You're going to, you have to, the only person that knows the truth is you too. So if you have some weird like, well, I know this is an A, so then this is an A, and then this is like those kind of things don't really help you, I think, in the long run. Maybe this to start, but for at some point you just have to memorize the location of that note. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, so then I just I I have no I really just don't have a lot of sympathy for it, and that's probably why I don't teach. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a I think that's a great point though. It's in one sense, you know, it's the musical language. You yeah. take the time learned like it's seven letters seven right and i feel like my my temperature rising because that speech from the other kid, yeah, right. kid it's like it's seven notes like that's it that it, yeah it looks complicated but guess what it's just seven letters yeah the, well i know i don't i don't know if you saw but i it was like a year or two ago i made a video with my daughter with river. Like, yeah with river uh teaching her to play uh the first lesson she i showed her some piano stuff we don't force any music at our house or whatever so if the kids get interested we kind of show them stuff so she said she was interested and she wanted to learn some guitar and she wanted to make a video she just was you know they the kids see youtube videos and they're like i want to be in a youtube video i'm like sure let's do a first lesson thing and i'll we'll put it on video and it's it's like 25 minutes but i show her how to figure out where the notes are on the fretboard and a couple little songs In, in a couple other like guitar things you know like this is the strings. These are the names of the strings. I think we even made up our, like, to show that you can make up your own names for each string, you know, like every assistant does good, whatever, you know. We, <laughs> we came up with whatever it was at the time, I think, in the video. But my point is that I showed her how to figure out where the notes were. And by that, and in like 25 minutes, she basically knew how to figure out where all the notes were on the entire fretboard. You know, and this was a eight-year-old mm-hmm. who's, you know, I mean, she's part me, so she can't be that smart. <laughs> I think she's smart. No, but I mean, so it was just, it was, a lot of it was just like kind of just giving her the tool to say, here's how you could figure out how to do it. You know, and, and she really could. Um, And I thought that's interesting. So it's like it only took really like 10, 15 minutes to sort of just give her a little bit of background. 
And then she was able to deduce how to figure out where they were. And mm-hmm. if she actually had practiced it at all, she she would have. I, I think she really would have had it in like a week where she could have got to anything without like the Jocko like gun to their head, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, like it was just a matter of she just needed to shed it a bit. Mm-hmm. But I, so then I saw that. So I was like, I've seen that enough times because I used to teach a lot where you'd show somebody something and they'd figure it out. But anyway, that's a whole other topic. We may be already bumping into our time here. Yeah, I think we probably are. I mean, we got like an hour and 19 minutes. So. <laughs> cool. I think, I think roughly about a half hour of jibber jabber before like we officially got started. That's okay. I, I think it's good. We can edit it down either way. Yeah, so, yeah. I said we're not. We don't really know what we're doing yet. I think. Um, I guess I'm a fan. I'm an. You know, I'm the improviser. So let's just put it out there. <laughs> but uh, have an outline. Let's of course, you know, subscribe to our YouTube stuff. Um, oh yeah. The, the subscribe. Smash. You know, um, the camera. What is it called in the podcast world? I podcast. I guess you subscribe so, okay. to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, leave us some feedback. We'll, we'll see it on YouTube. I don't know how you see it on some of the other formats. We're still learning. It's like the rating thing. When they rate it, they can comment on it. Or yeah. Something. yeah, we want to. We try to do this. I think as much as we can, like weekly or whatever. Um, yeah, the goal is weekly. Weekly, and then eventually, maybe we'll get into interviews and all kinds of other stuff. We um, know a lot of people. There's plenty of stuff to talk about. We didn't even get into the fact that Nam didn't even is is basically not happening or is virtual. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, we didn't. We have so many topics that we could get into. Um, anyway. I guess we'll call it. You want to call it? Yeah, I think we should. Otherwise, we're just going to keep rambling. We'll just keep rambling. All right, on to next week. Thanks for joining us at uh, Wood Air Metal Guitar Podcast. (laughs) Uh, I already stopped the recording. Wham. (laughs) We really got to do that, huh?